from our 901 Mission Street studios, you are listening to the San Francisco Chronicle. Welcome back to Startups of the Week, a Chronicle business podcast with me, Trisha Tadani. And me, Alex Wilhelm, Editor-in-Chief of Crunchbase News. Together, each week, we pick a group of companies that are trending on Crunchbase. We're looking for under-the-radar startups that have raised less than $50 million and are based here in the Bay Area. And today, we'll tell you about Navdi, which is joining the hardware Deadpool, a LiveCore's heart-sensing Apple Watch sensor, and Tipalti, which we're not that sure about. Let's get into it. Hello, and welcome to our Startup for the Week series. I'm Trisha Tarani, a general assignment business reporter here at The Chronicle, joined here by Alex Wilhelm, um, editor-in-chief of Crunchbase News. Hello. Um, so before we get into our regular show this week, um, we would be remiss not to acknowledge the unfortunate and sudden death of um, Mayor Ed Lee. So we thought it was appropriate to talk to you on this, um, talk about on this podcast today because he was he was largely seen as this, um, you know, unlikely ally in, in City Hall for the San Francisco tech scene. Yeah, but for good or for ill. I mean, people's right. take on on how he impacted the area is very, very different. And we've seen mm-hmm. a lot of tech leaders come out discussing his legacy mm-hmm. and generally in very positive terms. Also, we've seen pieces critical of Ed Lee come out on places like The Outline yeah. that made the opposite point. Right. So it's 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 uh, there's no one set response to his, his passing. Right, right. There's definitely a lot of different layers to it when I was reporting out the story of just like the uh, tech community's reaction to his death. Um, you know, there was there was a lot of like wonderful anecdotes that came out that really showcased what kind of person he was. So, you know, he was known to, he was a guy who would both, um, you know, sit on stage at TechCrunch Disrupt, yeah. um, which is a huge tech conference here in San Francisco, obviously. But he was also known to, um, when he was at these big conferences, to, uh, you know, step aside and talk to these young Scrappy entrepreneurs, which I thought was really So he would talk really to the, nice. the big cats. The big and guys the... and the little guys. Yeah. Um, but one anecdote that I thought was really illuminating was from this um, this young startup founder from a company called LendUp. Um, I've heard of LendUp. Oh, you have? Yeah. Okay. Um, so Sasha Orloff, um, he's one of the, one of the co-founders. Sure, so he yeah. was saying when he had first founded his company in 2012, Ed Lee was still relatively new. He became mayor in 2011, I think yes. it was. Um, and he had just like randomly run into Ed Lee at this conference. Um, and so he goes up to him and then he, um, apparently like spoke to him for like 30 minutes and Ed was, or Mayor Lee, sorry, um, was, was asking all these questions like, Hey, like, why did you come here? Um, why did you decide asking, to start? Asking the entrepreneur why they came yeah, to this. Why did, did you pick this? Right. Why okay. did you pick here and how can we get more people to do this? And it just, it just really showcased that like he had this vision for the city very early on in his tenure as mayor, which I thought was. That's interesting really to nice. say because the criticism that I've seen about him mostly is that he was quote kind of a sellout or he rolled over for tech right. or he was too cozy with billionaires like perhaps Mark Benioff and, and whatnot. Yeah. My, my view, and I hate to sound, you know, polite, but or mm-hmm. positive, but I think the economic forces that drove the technology boom were completely outside of his control. Right. And he was given a nigh-impossible task of trying to balance a very particular city. Uh-huh. SF is very much its own thing. It has its own vision, competing visions for mm-hmm. what it should be. And he had to manage a massive explosion in jobs, immigration, right. housing crisis, um, a, our homeless problem, homelessness problem that we still deal with today, and so forth. And he tried to balance all these competing interests. Mm-hmm. 
that's going to be a job that you, no matter how you do it, you're going to make enemies. Right. And so I'm trying to figure out what other criticism about him that's come out since his, his yeah. passing is fair versus what is he couldn't have done anything more because it was outside of his control. Yeah. And I don't have a great delineation line between those two things. Right, right. Heather Knight, one of our columnists here, she did a fantastic column, which you should totally read, um, about um, Ed Lee, and she kind of made the point where he in some way was seen as a victim of his own success, where he yes. had attracted a lot of these companies here, but his critics will say that he then didn't do enough to offset um, the effects that having all this wealth... Um, into like this influx of wealth in the city does ultimately have homelessness, um, you know, steep housing prices, et cetera. Um, and, and one thing that, um, you know, most people pointed to yesterday um, in the tech industry of why they liked him was because of this thing called the Twitter tax break. Yeah, which was which was controversial, and you don't want to have your tax break named after one. Yeah, company. you really don't. Probably but... not a good PR <laughs> move from a political perspective. Yeah. Um, but to really break this down to the simplest terms possible, and I think I'm going to get this right for everybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a portion of Market Street now called Central Market, I believe. Mm-hmm. Mid-market. Mid-market. Yeah. I'm off to a great same, start. Same thing. Crushing this. <laughs> um, that was underdeveloped, if right. you will. There was open real estate space, and he wanted to encourage uh, people to come and work there. Mm-hmm. So Twitter moved in in exchange for, I believe, a 1.2% tax break. 1.5. 1.5%. Again, two strikes. Third and I'm out. Um, we do actually real time on this show. It's fantastic. <laughs> uh, and Twitter did move in, and it's led to a revitalization of the area. We've right. all walked by Twitter's office and seen the restaurants and whatnot going around there. Mm-hmm. It's still a very... SF markety part of town, but it certainly is in better shape than it was. Right. Now, you can definitely argue, and people have, that the impact of this tax break that led to Twitter coming in was a lot of uh, rapid change. Mm-hmm. But it's hard to argue from a broader perspective that bringing more investment into a city is going to be a bad thing. Mm-hmm. And th- that sounds um, reductive, right. but it comes down to, I think, the core political point that I hold here personally. Right, right. So. And I, I guess at the end of the day, you can argue about, you know, did he how good was everything that he did for the city, blah, blah, blah. Um, one thing people couldn't um, refute is that he was just a genuinely good guy who really cared about the economic development of the city. Um, and I guess it, it, right now, we now um, London Breed is the acting mayor. Yes. Um, and so it, I guess it just remains to be seen, um, whoever, whether it's her or whoever comes into that position permanently, you know, will they view the tech scene with as much passion and verb as Mayor Ed Lee did? Or so. perhaps a more antagonistic relationship, uh-huh. pushing back, demanding more revenue from these companies. Right. So we'll right. see, but we are definitely now in a new chapter of the city, yeah. if you will. Yeah, unexpectedly. Yeah, unexpectedly out of very shocking. Um, anyway, so on that note, um, on that note, shall we move on to our regular show? Now to our regular <laughs> podcast program. Yeah. So um, just to give everyone an overview um, of what we do, um, so we choose three startups every single week um, that are quote-unquote trending on Crunchbase, yes. um, and then we tell you a little bit about them and why they matter in the grand scheme of things. Um, but there's an algorithm we use. Do you want to tell us about algorithm that? Algorithm is, a, I think, a, a bit of an overstatement. <laughs> it sounds a, fancy. It sounds, <laughs> it's not quite as fancy as that. We run a search on Crunchbase that does a couple of things. One, we look for companies that are based here in the Bay Area that have raised less than $50 million, mm-hmm. that have not raised money inside the last month that have not been acquired, that have not gone public. And then we sort them by a trend score, which lets us see who is the most popular among them on the platform. Mm-hmm. So what this does is cut our list of companies down to just smaller companies that are actively seeing interest. And that lets us kind of see who may be, right. if you will, next. Yes. Or perhaps 
Kaput. And that Kaput. leads into our first company, uh, <laughs> which is a sad story, if you will. Yeah. But not the first one we've told and not the last. So take it away. So it is a company called NavD. Um, so they created this heads-up display that you could put up for when you're driving. You can put it on your dashboard. Um, and it kind of it pro- like projected the map onto your um, onto your windscreen. So it w- I would kind of see the map as yeah, I drove along without as you're looking driving. at my phone. Right. I like that. Yeah. Um, so did the press. I mean, and <laughs> so did investors. It was like it was like revered in the press. I'm, I'm not sure if it was TechCrunch or another tech publication that said like NavD is going to change the way that we drive. Um, and how much fun it had like 30 million. I think 41, 41 million dollars, which is a lot. Several dozen million dollars. Right. <laughs> it's quite a bit of money. Um, but. So it goes um, in the story of Silicon Valley sometimes is now TechCrunch reported that it's planning to liquidate. Yes. Um, and so well, what we've talked about on this um, on the show a lot is kind of this idea that like hardware is hard. Yes. Um, and I would just love to get a little bit more into that idea. Like what does that actually mean? Why is why do we keep seeing the, the companies that we talk about on the show are often ones that are hardware companies. Yes. So what is behind that trend? Like, so why does that happen? So hardware is hard, I think, for kind of one core reason, which is you're doing two things at once. Mm-hmm. If you're a software company, you can build software and essentially never deal with building hardware. But if you make hardware, you're probably always dealing with software. Mm-hmm. And so for companies that want to do this stuff, like Navdi, they're building a physical device with all the complexities of supply chains and sourcing of products and design and QA and all that. And they're also dealing with building software that projects the, the stuff onto the screen and deals with all of that. So right. they have to do both. And I think people don't realize that this isn't just a slight increase in complexity. It's probably a doubling. Mm-hmm. Or if it's hard to integrate, maybe even more. Mm-hmm. So projects like this, when I see them fall apart, I, I you know, sometimes a, a dumb company dies like Clinkle. And you don't really <laughs> what care. Is Clinkle? That's a long story. Google it if you have time. Um, but with Navdi, companies I that I kind of like, I, 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 feel, I feel no um, enjoyment at their demise. I just kind of right. go, this is too bad. They took a big shot yeah. and they launched a cool product and they couldn't find a market for it. And that's too bad. Are you surprised that something like Navdi... No, because it was it was like eight hundred dollars, and yeah. people have the little smartphone magnets, and mm-hmm. it kind of works. And now that people have like, uh, is it called Apple CarPlay? I think. Oh, I don't There's know. There's various bits of of mobile OSs that are built into cars, and I feel like you know the original auto manufacturers are working working more in this space. Right. So I could see Navi have been purchased by like Ford integrated. That right. would make more sense to me. But if you're building a car peripheral, mm-hmm. it's gonna be a tough market. Yeah, interesting. So. Um so our next company is also a hardware software company. Yes. Um so it's one called Alive Core. Um so they make this FDA cleared EKG sensor. EKG um, means heart. Right? Yes, so it's like a. Um, often you have to go to the hospital to get an EK. It's like a heart scan. Is that when they put the little diodes on I you? I think so. I had that once. Yeah. It was, oh, really? It was weird. Well, yeah, I was unhealthy for a bit. Oh. It was weird. I didn't really like it. Anyways. Well, but so now a lab core created a way that um, they have a tiny little sensor that you can embed into your Apple Watch. Um, Apple Watch band, and then it'll basically read your heart rate. It'll let you know if anything's irregular, um, and it's FDA cleared. So we know it has some scientific backing. Right, behind it. right. So when when something is FDA cleared, the FDA is basically saying like, hey, this um, this app and this piece of um, the, and the sensor is as good as going to the hospital and getting a scan. So it's commensurate in, in accuracy, right? And that sort right. of thing. Which you know, saying it's FDA cleared, that's great PR for a company. But um, yes. you know, but my question is, is like, how can you convince a user? Um, and typically, I would think that their users, if they are monitoring their heart rates, would be older. Um, oh, isn't they have a bit more interest in 
keeping an eye on things. Yes, yes. Um, but like, how do you, how do you convince like an older person? I guess that hey, use this app instead of going to a hospital to get your heart scanned. Like without being in, in incredibly morbid about right. it. Like, well, you know, you're getting up there, Billy. Maybe you should yeah. have one of these. Um, Pay one hundred ninety nine dollars for the sensor, which is what it costs. Well, uh, in the piece, uh, you talked to Vic Condotra, mm-hmm. the uh, founder of the company. Right. Uh, Vic Condotra is known for his time at Google. He was behind Google Plus, the slightly ill fated social project from Google. Mm-hmm. Um, and he said, you know, quote, you would think some older users would have some reluctance to this, but they are actually more aware of their need for heart health. Right. So, in fact, instead of them running away from, you know, just the issues that come with aging, they're almost embracing it, according to him. And now we know he's biased. Mm-hmm. But if that's the case, maybe their market's bigger than mm-hmm. we think. Yeah. Could be. That's interesting. Um, but or maybe we'll be talking about this, um, this company in a couple of months saying, hey, you know, hardware is hard. And that, so. my friends, is why Trisha is the number one dinner invite across all of San Francisco. Her positivity is just unparalleled. <laughs> anyway, um, and our last company is one called Tipalti. Do you think I'm pronouncing that right? I think so. It's not Tipalti, so I would go with Tipalti. Tipalti. Yeah. Um, I couldn't reach them for comments, so I couldn't ask them. <laughs> how do you other questions that I wanted to ask and how to actually pronounce their name? Yeah. But... So what? So at, at the highest level, right? What does Tipalti do? Um, so I'm going to read this verbatim. Okay. Um, so it's a global online payment software that helps big companies like Amazon, Twitter, and GoPro manage their cross-border payments. That, what does that mean? Well, it turns out moving money between banking systems is hard. Mm-hmm. And if you're a company that does a lot of transfers, you probably want to have some system in place to help you do it. Mm-hmm. That's my only comprehension of this product. It's right. cool. It exists. Here's the thing, though. <laughs> we don't know why this one was trending. And usually we have a pretty good idea. You know, press coverage, yeah. product launches. There's usually kind of one or two things you can identify as like, oh, that probably drove people to search for it on Yeah, Christmas. yeah. Uh, we have no idea on this one. Yeah, and so, we're, so. T- we're, we're telling you because we want you to kind of see how we do this and um, we don't have much here. So yeah. it's, it sounds like a cool company. It's a big right. need, probably a lot of revenue, could yeah. be profitable, who knows. They raised $30 but, million. Dollars. They're based in San Mateo and that's all we <laughs> So Tipalti, if you're watching that, call me back. <laughs> Actually, we're kind of late for that now. Please don't. Yeah, well, yeah, anyways. Um, so that's all we have um, for this week. Thank you so much for tuning in. Okay, bye. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the San Francisco Chronicle. Read more startups coverage at sfchronicle.com and crunchbase.news. I'm Trisha Thadani. And I'm Alex Wilhelm. And this is Startups of the Week. You've been listening to the San Francisco Chronicle. Our executive producer is Fernando Diaz, our editor-in-chief is Audrey Cooper, and our producers are Peter Hartlob, Brittany Shell, and Claire Varelos. The music you just heard is Botfest by Alex Vaughn. If you like what you heard, good news, there's more. Listen to Chronicle Podcasts and get bonus content at sfchronicle.com slash podcast or subscribe to iTunes, Stitcher, or other streaming services.